Hello and welcome to Darling, You're Different, a collaborative podcast that strives to unpack and question the obstacles that may be stopping you from achieving your full potential. My name is Charlotte and I am here to ultimately help you live a healthier, happier and more successful life. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Darling, You're Different. Today, we are joined by a very special guest that is actively shaping the way that women are viewed and respected in society. She is currently entering her sixth season of AFLW. Whilst on the side, she is also studying full-time osteopathy, as well as working as a personal trainer. This guest is passionate about what she does and is always looking for new ways to improve her mindset and performance. So with that, I have the great pleasure of welcoming Maddie Gearin. Hi, Hi. Charlotte. Um, Thanks (laughs) for the introduction. No worries. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Coming off some really good news last week in terms of our conditions as AFRW players. So we've gotten a 94% increase in our pay. So... Yeah, so very, very good news. And then obviously the election just gone as well. We've had some nice wins there. So yeah, very, very happy and up and about. Yes, I love that. And I'm so excited to delve into the whole footy side of things and just kind of get to know what you're doing and all that good stuff as well. But before we do that, a lot of our listeners are probably wondering who the hell is this person? (laughs) So I thought we would do a couple of just quick questions to get to know who you are and a couple of spicy ones just to make it a bit more fun. Is that all right? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. So first of all, how old are you? I'm 22. Cool. And where are you from and where are you living now? So I grew up in Preston, Victoria, and I'm still still living in Preston. So yeah, love, love it here. Beautiful. And what does happiness mean to you? For me, it's probably, I think it's, for me, it's a feeling of just contentment and being happy with what I've got at the moment and not needing to change anything or wait for anything to happen to be happy. I think it's just, yeah, being appreciative of everything around me at the time. And I'm like really lucky to have great friends and great family and lots of things to look forward to. So I think, yeah, for me, it's just like appreciating that stuff and just kind of being excited about the future and having that feeling of like it's going to be okay and yeah just excitement and optimism about what what's going to come and what's what's happening now but what what is to come as well yes I love that so much and I especially love just the fully like knowing what's going to come is like good stuff like that's just it's so positive and it's so powerful as well which is awesome now fun question what's your favorite food my favorite food would have to be Vietnamese. Yeah. Choice. Any specific dish? In particular, ooh, I'd probably say just like a good like stir-fry noodle dish, like satay, something like that, just like <laughs> veggies, noodles, like, oh, just, yeah, love love my Vietnamese. Also Thai. Thai is a great cuisine. I love good Thai food. Um, For the listeners, just a little fun fact, Mads and I actually used to live together. So I remember when we had a big, was it Chin Chin maybe? And we had a big feast during lockdown. Oh, 
Dumplings Delicious. were a very common occurrence as well. I think that was like <laughs> your celebratory, your call. Like you would, you would say, like, let's order 40 dumplings. We've, we've just moved in. We're, we're doing it. With um, anything yeah. to get food. There was about five dumpling spaces around as well. Like there were so many options. It was so oh good. God, stop it. They were so good though. <laughs> oh, all right, back on track. <laughs> what is something that you've learnt this week? Could be anything. I think if you stick at something and, you know, it might not be going well at times with the whole pay deal coming through and, like, we're pretty much going to be doing the same amount of hours, the same work, but getting compensated twice as much for it. And, like, we never thought that would kind of be possible this soon. And now that it's happened, it's just, like, I just stuck at it. We all stuck at it. We put the work in and we probably didn't get much recognition, but it's, like, the relief that you get when it does kind of come through and like it usually does if you do stick at it for a long time like I've been playing for probably eight years now but been playing professionally for for six years and like it takes time sometimes for things to get better but like it does get better and I think yeah it's really it was really cool to like for it all to come to fruition and just one of those things that was like I've always worked hard at but now it's like you're kind of getting that reward for it and it's like yeah it's really special feeling so just like that keep if you keep out something and you're doing it in good faith and you're working hard like things good things will come from it yes definitely and it goes back to that whole principle of like compounding and like how sometimes it's the things that you do every single day that eventually make up to where you are in five ten fifteen years time but it's that little thing that makes all the world different. You sometimes feel like you have to be like perfect for like a a few months in a row or you have to have all these perfect days or whatever, but it's just that accumulative, like you're just pushing the rock down the hill, like or up the hill. You're just like continuously like chipping away each day and it doesn't ever have to be perfect. But if over the long run you've put in like 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, whatever it is on what you want to work on, like, it does you do improve and like it's hard to put that time in consistently but if you enjoy it and like yeah you stick at it like it's just it's pretty crazy like how good it can be and like how good um you can get at something I love that so much now on that note so tell us about your football career you said you started playing footy eight years ago and you've been playing professionally for six what was the process with that like why why football what made you want to go professional? Yeah, what was your yeah, story? Um, yeah, I started pretty late. So growing up, I did a bit of netball, uh, a bit of little athletics, a bit of soccer, but like everything was pretty low key. Like I, I would try and I'd sometimes make state for athletics, but like I was never going to like pursue that professionally. I more so just loved like every school sport and like you know doing the sport days like all that kind of stuff it was just the most fun like I just love trying everything it was never really like a long distance runner or anything like like didn't love running but I did love like you know the short distance stuff so like I love yeah. sprinting and I love field sports so it was definitely there like that love of like I, I just love being out there in the wind just running with friends doing stuff but yeah like I didn't start footy until this the start of year nine I'd had a few footy days like once a year in year seven, eight, and then 
in year nine, that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to start this. I'm going to start playing footy. And it was only because I had a few friends that were starting and it was the very first time my local team had like a girls only team that was under 15s. And so before that, it was like, I think there was no, there was no, like, because I played at Fitzroy, there was no girls team at all. I think that year they started an under 18s and under 15s in the same year. Was there mixed or anything or just literally no possibility for you to even do it? There's mixed. So if you play, if you play like when you're really young, so if I'd started when I was eight or nine, I could have played with the boys up until under 14s, I think. But I was like very like skinny, small kid. I was like not ready to throw myself out there, like just a bit timid. And like, I wish I had done that. And I wish I'd just signed up somewhere and played because I loved it. But to be honest, the barriers were just far too big and I didn't see enough girls do it like you might see one girl in a whole club do it but yeah like I wasn't really exposed to girls playing at all so it just never really was an option that I thought I could like do until I saw yeah there was signs saying girls only team Fitzroy like come and be a part of this and like I remember like the first training session was like a lot of my friends from school and we all just had a kick and it was just like so exciting. Like I remember it just being like so like blown away by the fact that we we're allowed to do it and that it was like a thing now and people were helping out and it was just there at your fingertips. Like you just had to go to training and you could play, whereas before that it wasn't even an option. Crazy. Like how times have changed now. Like Yeah, so I, it's honestly insane how much it's changed. At the end of that year, I remember – my friend's dad actually dragged me along to like an academy tryout. So it was kind of like a development academy. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like I wasn't going to go. And he was like, no, nah, you're, go- you're going. And so we ended up both going. A few of us went and we all made it into the academy. It was like tryouts and like it was just like crazy. Like I think once I got into that, I kind of just got the bug. Like I just every time I was just like wow like, I just want to get better at this sport like I'm so new to it but like I could see all these girls who are much better than me because I've been playing since they were younger and I was like wow like this is cool and like I really want to get better and I just remember like being so raw I was fast and I was very not skilled at all but I was I think <laughs> I was just fast and had some had good agility and it professionally it didn't come a possibility until I reckon it was year I think it was year 11 when they announced that they were going to bring like there there was going to be an AFW and instead of it being in 2020 it was going to start in 2017 and so I was in year 11 and I was like whole like holy crap like this is like a proper like pathway now and happening yeah it was all happening and so like I pretty much didn't take it too seriously until yeah year 11 um and 12 and that's when I kind of like started doing gym and like started seeking out like coaches and like started doing a few more like rep teams and stuff but yeah like such a great sport like I just I've played a lot of different like sports but footy just great camaraderie a lot of different teammates you've got 20 different 30 different teammates that are like your siblings pretty much and everyone's different and like you get along with everyone in a different way and like it's just it's so it's so cool to like every week like have a new goal and like everyone's trying to reach that you might have had a really bad game last week but it's fresh no one cares anymore let's just get out there and make amends and it's just yeah it's it's so cool and I think 
it's like, yeah, just a part of my life now. Like whenever I'm in the off season, I'm like, wow, it sucks when there's no footy because you just, you're so used to having that literal with either training or, or games. But yeah. So for those that don't really know the footy layout, I guess, that might be listening, what is technically an off season and what's an on season? Like what's the duration for each? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's varied at the moment because um, this year we're actually fitting two seasons in one year which is a first, Um, and it's only going to happen this once so that we can change the date of the season and, like, the the season of it. Like, it's going to be in, like, spring instead of summer. And so, yeah, we've just finished one in April and then we're starting in August. So at the moment we're in the off-season, but it's only, like, a six-, seven-week off-season, which we've been training a bit through anyway. But typically, like, yeah, we we kind of train for – we do some our, our own training in the, like in the off season, like running and stuff, which we've now actually we're getting paid to do now. Which previously we just do it off our own accord, mm-hmm. and then rock into preseason, start getting paid once we got into the club. But you couldn't just do no work up until that start date. So it's great we're getting paid for that now. But yeah, preseason's usually two or three months, and then the season we only have ten rounds, so it goes for ten weeks. And then you've got four weeks of finals now. So you're not really playing for that long. Like when you're in it, you're like, you've been preparing all year and the last five years for this season. And you know, it's only going to last 10 weeks. So you're really just like laughing it up and like, yeah, doing everything you can to perform. But like, yeah, it's quite bittersweet when you're in it because you know, this is like not going to go for very long. And every game matters so much more than the men's because they've got 20 rounds or whatever and we've got 10 so one game counts for two so if you lose one game it's almost like losing two games whereas if you win a game it's like winning two so it's very like the stakes are very high and there's a lot of stress a lot of pressure people and part like working and studying as well during the season so yeah it's just people being pulled in all directions but yeah like it's it's also the best time of year like everyone loves so it's like I recently heard something the other day and it was comparing, might have been another podcast, but comparing the Olympics. It's like they train for four years for a 10-second run. Yeah. And, again, it goes back to like all of that like work and routine just for that short burst of gratification, which is what you were talking about, which is really insane when you think about it in the hindsight so obviously you're working as a PT and you're studying full-time whilst mm. trying to get all this training in. Yeah. So what does your routine look like? Like, So consistency as an athlete would be extremely important to you yeah. and to the game. So how do you manage to balance all of these things? It's been like a lot of trial and error for me because like things change all the time. Like I kind of wish... It was just, yeah, this is when I'm doing this. I know when I'm doing that. With my uni, like my schedule changes every four weeks because we do block mode. So that's a bit difficult because you might get into a good routine um, with that, with your work hours, but that has to change every four weeks potentially because the days of classes and all that sort of stuff changes. So I've found it hard to be, yeah, to juggle that like I've had flexible employees uh, employers which has been great because you know as an employer you don't really want your 
employee to be like giving you new hours every four weeks like it's not very it's not very helpful but I guess they've understood that I'm like in that position and need to be extra flexible because I also have footy a lot so yeah I think just planning in advance is huge like I need to like make sure I'm across what's coming up on a Sunday night like I'll always go over and see right what do I need to fit in this week like where can I fit in my training how can I like prepare my meals in advance so that I'm not like grabbing something that's not healthy or I'm I'm not eating enough because yeah that's the thing as an athlete you need to be like with all the training and other stuff in life you need to make sure you're eating like almost more than you need because if you're not eating enough like you're not going to be like getting the most out of your training you're not going to have the energy and you're not going to be able to build the muscle you need to so like yeah preparing like yeah a bit of meal prep on the weekend is always helpful but yeah it's definitely a juggle even like fitting in as a 22 year old like fitting in social stuff as well like sure I find that's probably what I drop off what first drops off for me because in a way it seems like the expendable option because you know there might not be consequences directly but yeah indirectly you probably happiness goes down you're not really enjoying like yeah life anymore yeah setting like I like I think I've had to get better at setting boundaries with things so like with work certain hours I can't work I can't work too early because I know like I've got a late night training the night before and I need my sleep to function so it's like blocking that off but it is hard because with yeah jobs like PT you need to work pretty early at times to even get enough clients so yeah it's been like a balancing act act for the last yeah three and a bit years of studying but very looking forward to my degree yeah finishing next year and being able to like re kind of have a bit more flexibility and yeah reassess um my work-life balance because yeah as a student as you know as a student it's just quite hectic you kind of get trying to get through how, however you can and yeah almost in survival mode already one thing I really liked that you touched on was about like getting enough food in your diet but also enough sleep and having the combination of two because we know obviously there's lots of scientific evidence to say that you need enough food especially if you're training and you're using that but also sleep and the importance of recovery and like allowing your body to rest in order to achieve at your peak state so I guess do you as an athlete or a person, do you what do you do nutritional wise? Do you have a someone that helps you along with that, or is it something that you've done done a lot of self learning? Yeah, what's- yeah. I think yeah, what you touched on there, like nutrition and sleep, is huge. And I think like anyone, if you're not an athlete, you just want to be performing and getting the best out of yourself. Like nutrition is like so important because that's going to set you up and it's even going to help you sleep better and stuff. So. Yeah, definitely both of those are like key in yeah, as an athlete. But yeah, we have we have a great dietitian and we've had a few over the years who like can help quite one on one, give you like give you a meal plan if you're needing that. But I like I've continuously like definitely learnt over the over the time, like done my own research, read books, like I've read a lot of books like on on the topic, like I've I've just finished reading Eat Like an Athlete, which was done by like Hawthorne men's dietitian. They don't work there anymore, but yeah, they've got like picked up a lot of strategies and 
I think so their biggest takeaway was like, yeah, like eating enough and eating, making sure you're eating enough because you don't realize, I guess, how much you're doing. Like, and I might be out there for like two hours doing skills and running and you're burning so many calories when you're out there and you're kind of just having fun but you need to like make sure you're fueling after that so a big lesson for me was probably a few years ago yeah one of my first few pre-seasons right in the thick of summer we were still training so we had our season start date I think in February or March so we were training December January February like the hottest months of the year And it was all pretty new stimulus. Like I was doing a lot of training and my body probably wasn't quite used to how much I was training. And like I lost my period for like a good two months, which I thought was just like, oh, like I didn't know too much about it. But yeah, like after doing some research, it's called like amenorrhea and it's pretty bad and it can come from like not eating enough and not fueling enough for the training you're doing. And so that was a big lesson that like my body was so dysregulated that it had to stop performing what it does. So yeah, like since then I've had a much better balance, like in terms of just trying to recover more, trying to sleep more, trying to just eat more and like not go into this like mode where I'm just training, just Mm -hmm. like just doing things and not like fitting in the I guess the things that will help around it. So the food, the sleep, the naps, all that sort of stuff. And I've never like lost it since. So I think that was like a huge lesson. And it's happened to a lot of girls. And I know a lot of teammates and ex-teammates who it's happened to. And like there's, yeah, there's not too much education on it until it does happen. But yeah, like that's a really interesting one. Which I, it's funny you bring that up because I actually also learned about this recently and why the body actually you lose your period because your body your sympathetic nervous system because there's so much stress hormones released in the body that your body's in a constant state of fight or flight even though you might not feel stressed because you're exercising yeah your body is naturally like okay no we need to do this task so when that happens it actually shuts down all the non-essential things in the body so what it needs right now is okay food sleep all that good stuff, yeah. but it doesn't really need to reproduce. So exactly. then that's why so many women lose their periods, which yeah. is so unhealthy when you think of it. But yeah. also I think you were teaching me about the importance of actually like as a woman knowing your cycle and knowing the best ways to train on your cycle. Yeah. Which So if you don't have your period, do you have those same I guess, hormonal balance. Yeah, I think it's, I guess, similar conversation to being on the pill. Like you're not in any, you're not on that like natural cycle anymore. And for some people, they, they actually like that because it does stay the same a lot of the time and it's not, it doesn't have the dips and the peaks, but I, I don't know, like, yeah, I've loved learning about like the cycle and how to train on it. And it's pretty cool. Like I think you know, like we we're talking, I was talking about it with you, like the first 12 days of your cycle were like your best training days. Like mm. after about day three, you're like, you're pretty good to go and your body's like at an optimal, like testosterone levels are higher, your progesterone's low, like all those hormones that aren't going to help you are quite low. And that's when you want to hit your PBs in the gym and like you're going to do, you're going to feel great. You're going to like regulate your temperature well. But then as you like, kind of progress through the cycle things change things go up and down so it's just good to be mindful 
of the things you can do. Like there's a great app actually called, it's called FITR, so F-I-T-R, and it you put in your cycle and like it's got a calendar where you put in your cycle and it pretty much gives you recipes for like that time of the cycle. So like it might be antioxidants if you're needing that. It might be like more of this, more carbs, less carbs. And it's like a really cool way. It also says like this kind of training's great right now or this training's not great or drink more water. So it's really, really helpful in that sense. And like, yeah, one of the probably one of the biggest things I didn't know was in your premenstrual cycle, in your last week before your period, you need like an extra meal each day, pretty much. So like if you think about like a little U foods, a little U foods container, like pretty much that size of a meal of like protein, veg and carbs is like like needed on top of your normal intake. Yeah. Because your body's like, yeah, pretty much going through a lot in that week and um burning more calories just at rest. So like it's funny because we get yeah, we get cravings in that time, right? And we go for chocolate and we go for all yeah. we're like, we're hung like I need something. But it's because yeah. we're not satiated because we've we haven't eaten like what our body needs and so we go to that because easy but I think it's so interesting like I didn't know that until probably a few months ago and I was like wow like that is huge like so many people wouldn't realize that and maybe are unhealthy because they eat so much in that week and like if they were just to like adjust a little bit their diet around that week and actually allow themselves to have like extra pasta or extra whatever it is like an extra like extra meal like they would they would be yeah like they'd be feeling great and like it wouldn't yeah that wouldn't affect them so this goes back to education doesn't it like how almost little that we're taught but they're so essential to us that it should be taught and it's a wonder why it's not like and it's all self-taught like you like yeah like we've we've cared enough to go and seek it out but there's a lot of people who don't realize that you know that it's a thing and that it it could help them so uh, yeah, I think it's pretty crazy. And the research like is still pretty slim. So let's hope that in the next 10, 20 years, there's even more research on, you know, the like pill use and like training as a female. Cause most studies are done on males and, you know, like we kind of use studies to be like, Oh, we should do this. Like we should do this ice bath because it says that it does this, but does that actually help females or is that just. You know what I mean? So I think it's pretty exciting that there is more research coming out on that kind of stuff. Yeah, me and my friends were having a look at a few um, different studies on like contraception use because a few of us struggle with that. Like I know a lot of girls can take it for like skin, like it helps their skin or contraception, whatever it is. But then the impact that the pill can have on performance is like can be pretty significant. And yeah, there was a study recently done on, I think it was an eight week strength training block, strength and power training block. And the people on the pill, like got a third of the strength gains of the people that weren't on the pill doing the exact same thing. Wow. And so, and the mini pill was like, was a bit better than the pill, but not quite as good as no pill. So we're putting that many hours of training in the gym and on track. But if I'm just taking a pill that's like undoing some of that work that we're putting in, it's pretty frustrating. And yeah, so that's a whole other thing as well. And you almost think back 
to like what ages people generally go on the pill. Like from my personal experience, I think I went on it when I was like 13, 14 years old. So that's like Um, the most important developmental age of your whole body and you're already impacting all these hormones. So are you every year that you're on it, you're setting yourself back an extra what one step or three years back in exactly so it's quite scary how widely used it is but yeah like even just people that have been on it since their teens they come off it and they're they're a different person like their whole personality is different because they didn't know who they were when they were on it because it changed their moods it changed like it changed just so much it even like yeah there's other so many other side effects so yeah it's so interesting like that we just do it and we don't really know much else. Like that's like 13 is so young, like to be on it, but it's just doctors prescribe it. It just this is. is just what you should do as a woman. The other week, one of my friends got prescribed the pill for like low iron. And so the the reasoning was, is that she could go on the pill to skip her period. So she's not losing blood. And so she's got better iron. And that just doesn't right. seem like a very good prevention measure like it's just like let's stuff up something else so we can maybe help this but yeah like introducing more iron into her diet maybe would be a good start so yeah it's it's well yeah we're working against the grain a bit but yeah hopefully there's more education in the next few years around it yeah touching on that that's a really good leeway to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about actually is so obviously you're working in an industry that was primarily male-based and you've said AFLW started in 2017, is that correct? And so we all know that AFL previously was around for years and years. I don't actually know the exact starting date, but how what's it like working in an industry where you're constantly compared to the opposite sex? Yeah, it's... It can be grueling at times. Like I think there's just so much people don't understand and kind of get like at face value. So they, you know, people see us playing or they see something about us and they they just have all like people just have preconceived beliefs and very rigid in their, I guess, thinking and yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Like it is pretty cool being a female athlete because especially in this space because it is very it's a very popular sport in Australia and there's even a lot of like my teammates or people across the competition that are recognized now and are like pretty much role modeling to a lot of a lot of young kids. So it's the fact that we're even there and that there's, you know, AFLW players that get recognized and looked up to and like that's pretty crazy because seven years ago no one knew anyone like yeah. we were just playing local footy we were playing VFL which was you know the, the competition here and it was a pretty good standard but no one really knew about it and it wasn't celebrated it wasn't publicized it was just celebrated internally so yeah. for the yeah for the AFL to kind of grow it from where it was to now is like pretty incredible and we have such a great like we do have such a great fan base like if you go to an AFW game, like it's such a great vibe. Like we've got, you know, families down. There's so many like kids there. It's there's not much, there's not too much drinking going on. Like as maybe a few people are having a beer, but it's not there's no aggression. Like it's it's just like great vibes. 
and it's at local grounds as well. So it gives you that local feel to it, which you just don't really get if you go to a really big stadium. So we like, we have, yeah, we have amazing fans. Like for all the people that do give us crap and, you know, don't think we deserve to be there and all that, like there's just that many more that support us and like I I just think it's it's incredible like if you even think about just like you know there's so many AFRW players that are open about their sexuality about their gender identity and that's not the same in the men's it's not that safe space where people can comfortably do that so like it's pretty it's pretty unique and special and like you kind of pinch yourself sometimes that it is like it is football, which is traditionally males and traditionally like can be a bit of like negative, you know, locker room culture. And we've kind of just completely turned it on its head. It's just not like that at all. You know, everyone is so comfortable and safe to say whatever they want and be themselves. It's not even a second thought in AFRW. So I think it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty special to be a part of that. And like the way it's growing, it's, I think it's only going to get better. Like, so the, even the standard, like we've been playing in summer for the last six years, which is sometimes it's 35 degree heat, sometimes it's 38 degree heat, sometimes you're up in Alice Springs on, in January playing. Like the men don't have to play in that kind of heat. And so like it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty hard to compare like two products when we're, you know, we're playing in literally the middle of summer. We're not able to probably get the most out of our bodies in that time as we would if it was a bit cool. So I'm really excited to like hopefully play in yeah a bit cooler temperatures and I think that'll like definitely like allow us to get more out of our bodies on the field. Change the game a bit. And for those listening that again don't know AFL that well, men play in the winter season, so when it's quite cold here in Melbourne or all around Australia. Yep. But I really liked that you also touched on a bit of identity there and the importance of knowing who you are. I actually recently was speaking to a good friend, Travis, and he used to play um, for the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. And as a male in a very like buff, you know, Mm. male sport where you have to be this tough, bulky guy, he's actually currently, you know, breaking into this whole breath work and going into ice baths and things like that. And we were also discussing how, it's very hard to change what's been happening for so long, but yeah. once you do change how well it's kind of received. Like breaking but, yourself, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I guess going a little bit off topic here is, so you've been playing footy for eight or so years now. Do you, regarding identity, do you feel like your identity is tied to the game or do you associate does that make sense, that kind yeah. of question? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I think it's always been there, like, for me to kind of, I guess, not attach myself to, but when I need to, it's there to kind of, yeah, identify with. But I like that it's kind of I've had it through, like, a lot of years. So it's kind of I wouldn't say that it, I identify with it. I would more say that it's just influenced how I've gone about things and it's, I think it's just richened my life and like brought all these people into my life that I just never would have met. And it's just, it's pretty cool how it, yeah, it does get, it has gotten like the best out of me. And 
it's yeah it's I think it's easy to identify too much with it but I've I've definitely always tried to like tried to separate myself a bit from it because yeah obviously like I have other interests like I love music I love watching films like I love travel I love getting outdoors and I think like when you do all those things you kind of realize that there's more to life than just footy like footy is obviously great and it's fun but if you just were to spend 10 years of your life only focusing on that you're going to get to the end of it and be like wow like I missed out on so many other opportunities and like didn't actually like appreciate like just things I had along the way and like I think that's what I'm realizing more as I go through is like it's like you can sacrifice as much as you want for footy, but at the end of the day, you need to be careful of what you do sacrifice because it's not going to like, you know, there's injuries, you know, there's delistments. Like, I don't know, like I've obviously had a pretty big injury and like when you're looking down the barrel of that, like you kind of realize that it might not like, well, that footy isn't going to always be there, but it might not last as long as you think it will yet like your friends will always be there for you you know and like your family will so I think yeah having other things to I guess identify with and having like having it as a part of your identity but not your identity is so important like yeah I love that question I feel like a lot of people that might be listening might relate to this as well that they go to their nine to five job or their shift work and when that's kind of taken away or something happens, like we know the past two years, a lot of people lost their jobs and all of a sudden they had nothing to do. And then obviously a lot of well, mental health things came into it, which was a lot of factors. We won't go into that too much, but and a lot of people's identities were almost taken away because they didn't know who they were without the job. hundred percent. So you also touched on injury. So do you mind if we talk about, your injury and kind of what that was like for you. Obviously you were doing something you loved and I'll let you explain it a bit more if that's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was pretty confronting. So I, I think I was in my third season. I'm going into my sixth season now. So yeah, it's been two years since it happened before then I was pretty injury free. Like I don't think I'd ever really missed a training session, which is pretty lucky and pretty like pretty cool. But yeah, I was playing round three, I think, a few years ago and I'd played round one and then I'd played in the twos for round two and then kind of came back into the side. I remember so like on the morning of the game, I'd like had a migraine like on the way to the game, like I was driving to the game and I was like, oh, I've got the worst migraine, but it'll be fine. Like I'll be good. I'll just get through it. And I got to the game, was still feeling a bit tired and stuff and then got through the first quarter and then second quarter changed direction and like my knee just like gave way like it just got like my foot got stuck in the ground and my knee just like bent in a way it shouldn't and I fell to the ground and I I knew I'd done something bad but yeah found out like I did my ACL got us because I got a scan the next day and yeah it was pretty confronting because we'd had a few others that year as well like our other housemate Ainsley who I who I lived with with you yeah she had done it the Friday night before and so this was the next Friday night and we're on the same team so it was a lot of emotion and it was just it didn't feel real because I was like how I've never been injured before like how does this happen like 
you know, I'm so fit and strong right now. Like, how can you be at the top of your game, but also like do such a bad injury? Like I was just, yeah, it was pretty confronting. Yeah. But so what was the, I guess, the recovery from this? Obviously you had your injury happen, you got your diagnosis, you figured out what was wrong. And then what was next? Was it straight to surgery? Was it rehab? What was that like yeah. for you? So I, yeah, had a few physio appointments, got a bit of treatment, did a bit of like prehab in the gym, but I got into surgery in like eight days, I think, so pretty quickly. I just remember being in this like kind of mindset of like not, like I'm not going to look back and I'm not going to make this a negative. I'm just going to push through each day. Like I'm just going to honestly just propel forward. I was just like, let's just get this do this right let's like get this done with surgery was really really hard like it was very painful you know like you had I had to wait there like I think a few hours after I came out of surgery and it was just like I almost fainted it was so painful but I think after those initial few days like I was walking around without crutches and yeah like I think it's pretty scary like you're you're not you're pretty immobile we were in lockdown, so it was 2020. It was when we first went into lockdown. So I was like, this couldn't have happened at a better time. Like, I can't leave the house, but no one else can. So like, I kind of just took it as a positive of like, this was kind of meant to happen. Like, our season got cancelled as well. So it was kind of like, as much as it sucked, I was like, wow. Like, I, it just felt like something was, yeah, like the universe was telling me to just rest or just like, you need to have a break. Because I probably hadn't really stopped in maybe five, five, seven years, yeah, of footy. Like I just hadn't really ever had a break. I'd never missed a training or a game. So, yeah, it was it was a nice chance to give the body a complete rest and build up from scratch. Like I worked a lot on my fundamentals of like changing direction, running mechanics, skills. Like I stripped everything back and it's not until you kind of can't even walk or run until you do kind of strip it back and actually can work up from like ground zero like it was it was pretty cool to like retrain that side of things and I had an amazing like coach taking me through each stage and and like yeah amazing team around me so it was it was like pretty uh, like me as like a bit of a perfectionist it was like a very like satisfying like way to go through a rehab because there was just so many steps along the way to tick off and you just felt so proud and so like excited when you did tick it off watching you and you would just like be smashing your rehab like as often as you could and you were outsourcing people to help you I think Harry Skipton Skimpton Skimpton yeah yeah we'll we'll pop it in the notes but yeah you were just a machine like it was incredible to watch yeah I just uh like I just knew that if I did everything I could and like didn't leave a stone unturned then whatever happened I wouldn't regret anything and like I think that was just the mindset I was like nothing's going to stop me here and when I did come back like I ended up playing it I think nine months which is a bit earlier than I guess your standard and it was because I had done everything I could and when I came back like I was it's I don't know pretty hard to believe but like I definitely become a better footy player and become faster and become like a better athlete since that so it's yeah you just it was just the classic yeah turning an injury into an opportunity and like I love that so much I'm so yeah I'm so confident in my body now and 
I think that's the scariest thing. Like I do remember being early on and thinking like, how will I ever trust my body or how will I ever take the field and like change direction or do this without it got like, I was just like, I couldn't fathom how it would work. But I don't know, seeing like I knew of players who'd like come back from it and were now superstars. Like I think three of the five Brownlow medals that we've had have been people who've done their ACL. So like, it was pretty cool to see people like at the top of their game coming back, still being like the best in the comps. Like I think that gave me a lot of faith and trust that I could do it. And having like people like Ainsley around me, like who like had done it before once, like was just like so handy and like just little stupid things like, oh, why is this happening? Or why is this swollen? Or is this okay? Like, and just that reassurance like was so good because you don't want to tell your physio like everything every second of the day yeah so yeah having friends around and family to help was just like so great that's but, so yeah. good do you have I guess any advice for people that might be going through something similar now like they've had an injury or something happen in their life it doesn't even have to be sports related where they might feel like it's the end like there's no way out there's no light at the end of the tunnel oh, like funny. it's too hard what yeah. What would you say to people that might be feeling that way? I like I did a lot of journaling like in that stage of my life and like yeah like I think you just need to get it all out and like have a cry like get it out of like your system because if you just bottle it up like that's just gonna like stay there like it's not gonna get released so like I yeah did a lot of journaling I did like a lot of just like yeah like who am I like I was just like kind of stripping it all back what are my values? What do I, like, how do I want to respond? Like I, I spoke to this great psychologist and he gave me these questions to answer. And it was like, he also gave me a few strategies I could use and like little things like he would say like that I should every day, like send like healing energy to my knee, pretend or visualize there's workers and like builders, like building on my knee and like making it better. And like everyone's, working together to fix it and like another thing we did was what am I going to do like what is this injury like like reframing everything into a positive what is this injury actually going to teach me what is it going to help me with and then I was like wait like this isn't actually so bad like at the end of the day like an injury is an injury like I'm still getting fed every day I'm still alive like I'm still got great friends like it wasn't actually that bad when I when I stripped it back so I think that's with anything like you've just got to see like what you do have like like you know there must be something that you can kind of rely on that you know is there and um like who are you how do you want to respond like what is your character in that moment of like that tough time like are you going to make things worse or are you going to just do what you can to improve the situation and like seek help if you need it like you know so many people are willing to help but if you don't ask then like it's it's not really just going to come like so yeah I think I think just yeah asking for help journaling reframing it everything like the the better you can kind of reframe things quickly and early on the better because if you wait too long to reframe something or you know if you're just in a in a in a rut for too long like it can be really hard to get out of because things compound like you said like you kind of need to get on that front foot so I reckon, yeah, just having those conversations early, so important. 
I love that so much. That was so powerful. And it's so true because you can't do it alone always, but you also need to recognize when it's time to actually ask for help. 100%. Now, Mads, where could my listeners find you if they want to give you a bit of a stalk or a follow or all that good stuff? Yeah, I pretty much just use Instagram. So at Maddie Gearin, M-A-D-D-Y-G-U-E-R-I-N on Instagram. But yeah, yeah, you can reach out if you want, have a chat. And we've been ending our lovely chat on a final question. Are you ready? Yeah. So what is one piece of advice that changed your life? Oh, that's a good one. I think probably probably the biggest thing is from one of my mentors was pretty much like you're you're the only one stopping yourself or like you're the only obstacle in the way of achieving what you want. And I think like obviously there seems like there's so many obstacles out there, but I think like you kind of need to get out of your own way and allow yourself to kind of achieve what you want and even know what you want. Like I think a lot of people don't know what they want and it's like finding out what you want and then doing the work to get there and not like, yeah, not getting in your own way of it. So I think, yeah, the people that actually achieve and go out there and are happy, like, you know, they do that. They get on with it. They go through the shit stuff and they come out the other side and they, you know, they're happy for it. They're better for it. So I think, yeah, just like knowing what you want, getting out of your own way and just like getting getting it done. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Darling, You're Different. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star rating and a written review. Also reach out to me on Instagram at charlotte underscore McKinnon and I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. But also, if there are any guests that you think that I should have on this show or any topics that you would like me to discuss, let me know. I want you to go out today and do something to make someone else smile. I am so grateful to each and every one of you. But most importantly, I want you to remember that, darling, you are different. And that is such a good thing.